0: you may, probably many of you don't think of this, but uh, before our services, I always preview everything that's going to happen just to make sure that, uh, that it's going to go well and that it'll be smooth and whatever else. And so I watched that Disabilities Concerns video twice this week. And uh, it didn't hit me the way that it hit me just in our service this morning. What a, what a beautiful, uh, beautiful words that we are all, each of us, fearfully and wonderfully made. And as I'm preparing to share with us God's word from John chapter 1 this morning and the message that I prepared, it strikes me that that's really a big important piece of what we're going to be talking about in the the coming weeks as we look at our vision, as we look at reaching out, drawing in, and creating community. That we want to be the kind of congregation and the kind of church where everyone is welcome or we celebrate that everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made and that we make room for everyone, every person, to worship Jesus as their Lord and Savior in a way uh, that is comfortable and accessible, and uh, that celebrates that that the way in which God has made them. So now we still have to hear a sermon, <clears throat> but I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the next couple weeks because we spent a couple weeks looking at the biblical foundation for our vision. And we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at each of those three parts of the vision that you see on the screen behind me. So this morning, we're looking at reaching out. So I invite you to follow along as I read for us John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to the light, to testify concerning to the light, that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So far, the reading of God's word. One of the most famous Lines in Eugene Peterson's The Message is his take on John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Ever since people have been moving into neighborhoods, God has been moving into neighborhoods with them. So this morning I want us to wonder what does it mean? What does it look like for River Park to reach out and to join God? in what he has already been doing in our neighborhoods in embodying himself. So to answer that question, we're going to look at three, other th- or three questions this morning, three different things. First, what's God already doing in our city? Second, what does it mean for us to join God in what he's doing? And third, what, what can you do personally, practically? So what is God already doing? Well, God is doing many things, but there's two that I want to focus on this morning. First, a sort of macro view, and then secondly, a, a more personal view. One of the first things I noticed after moving to Calgary in January was the ethnic diversity in our city, the number of immigrants who call Calgary home. But it turns out that's not just my personal observation, that, that is borne out by Statistics Canada. and I'm gonna rattle off a bunch of statistics for you, and those of you who are note takers can either try and scribble really fast, or you can find my sermon manuscript on, uh, through the weekly email, and you can see it all written out for you. So this is uh, some statistics about our city and about, and about our country. Almost half, are, uh, let me start at the top of the statistics, that always helps. Um, More than one in five Canadians are born in a foreign country. And immigrants make up just over one third of Calgary's population. Almost half of immigrants come to Canada from Asia, but beginning in 2016, more immigrants have come to Canada from Africa than from Europe, which means that European immigrants are in the third spot now. So first immigrants to Canada are Asian, then African, then European by continent anyway. More than 40%, when I read this, I couldn't believe it. More than 40% of Canadian children are either immigrants themselves or they have parents who are immigrants. That's a significant statistic. So two in five children in Canada, are either immigrants or they have parents who are immigrants. There's of course more statistics, but I'm not gonna keep going. Those, just those few, I think, are a pretty incredible insight into the changing demographics in our city and in our country. Alright, one more. I can't help myself. The city of Calgary grew by 14.5% in the, in the five years between 2011 and 2016. So it grew by almost 200,000 people. It's the last year that St- Statistics Canada has data. And so as more and more people are moving into our neighborhoods and moving into our cities, we have to believe, and we do believe as Christians, that God has been moving into neighborhoods with them, that God has been working in our city with them. And so the question I want to ask us this morning, or that I want us to focus on, is what are we as River Park going to do to join God in, as in his work in our city? All these data points I'm sharing, all these statistics I'm sharing, it's not just because they're interesting or not just because they're true, but it's also because they're trends. That all of these statistics are not just things that are happening, but things that have happened and continue to happen at a more rapid and increasing pace over the decades. Calgary continues to grow. A great part, a large part of that growth is by immigrants to Canada from all over the world. And so if we're wondering what is God doing in our city, there's one big macro answer. God is bringing people from all around our world to come and call Calgary home. Understanding that reality and understanding that that's going to continue to happen and continue to, uh, that growth is going to continue to happen, helps us to understand what God's plan is for us. What it looks like and what it means for us to join God in embodying the flesh and blood of our God in our neighborhoods. Now, that's the macro picture, but then there's our individual lives as well. Consider your own life for a moment. Where do you spend your time? Who do you spend it with? And where do you enjoy yourself? I think that last question is a really important one. Where do you enjoy yourself? A lot of times we think about reaching out or we think about evangelism as a, as a difficult thing. But do you, do, you, do you know your neighbors? Is that where you spend your time? Do you really enjoy your co-workers, your classmates? Do you work out with a friend at the gym or you always go on a hike with the same crew? You might have chosen a certain house or a certain job or a certain program of study. You might have even chosen a certain hobby. But what you didn't choose was all the other people who are in that place with you. God did. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God has placed you right where you are and he has placed all those other people around you who hopefully are there for the same reason that you are. They like living in the neighborhood that you like living in. They like the hobbies that you like. They enjoy the kind of activities that you enjoy, or the restaurants, or whatever it is. The idea that we need to have a thought-out plan to reach out to our neighbor. The idea is that we need to have a thought-out plan to reach out to our neighborhood and our work. In the classroom and wherever we enjoy leisure time. That's usually where we start, right? We need to have a perfectly thought out plan and then we'll go do it. But I think in some ways that's unrealistic. It's unrealistic because, as I said, many of us react with a kind of guilt when the minister starts talking about outreach. and We think, well, now I need to have some outreach at my job. I need to have some outreach in my neighborhood. I need to have some outreach here, there, and everywhere, and it's we can't do it all. On the other hand, I want you, or I want to challenge you, even though we can't do it all, I want to challenge you to remember this week, as you go to the places where you normally go, as you do the things you normally do, remember that God is already at work. God is there in your neighbor's life. He's there at the gym. He's in the mountains. He's at the court. He's on the field. He's there with you and with the people you interact with. Reaching out is very simply your opportunity to join God in what he's already doing. What will it take for you to cultivate the attitude of Isaiah? To say, here I am, Lord, send me. We need to face that feeling of being overwhelmed. And really wrestle and wonder together. What does it mean for me as an individual and for us as a church? But first, what does it mean for me to join God in what he is already doing? Well, first, I think it means that we need to pray. We need to pray for those God is calling us to reach out to. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah reminds us, pray, for the, pray to God for the city because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I was thinking about this text again. This was the text that I preached when I was interviewing here on Zoom. It's a text that's close to my heart and apparently a text that you like because you asked me to be your, one of your pastors. What does it mean for us to pray to God for our growing city, for our changing city? What does it mean to ask or to to pray to God for all the people in our city? Not just to pray for the people who are exactly like you. Not just to pray for the people who are easy to love. Not just to pray to the people who who are in your family or who you see on on a daily basis. But to pray for those who are dramatically different from you as well. Praying for the peace of our city means praying for everyone. It means knowing who is in our city, knowing who our neighbors are, and asking God to bless and to prosper them, as Jeremiah says. And then, of course, as, even as we pray for the prosperity of our city, as we pray for diverse neighbors, we also work for prosperity for all people. We're already familiar with God's vision for prosperity. It's a word that culminates, or it's a vision that culminates in Revelation. With people from every tribe and language and nation and tongue gathered around the throne and around the Lamb. We're already familiar with God's vision of prosperity. It can be summed up in the Hebrew word shalom, a word that many of us know. Shalom is a community in flourishing into eternity. The problem is, that's not how our society or how our world thinks of shalom, or excuse me, thinks of flourishing. Prosperity, our world tells us, is wealth for me now. Wealth for me now. That's not the kind of, that's not the kind of prosperity that we are looking for as Christians. Andy Crouch says it this way in his book on power. He says, the prosperity gospel has a thin and unbiblical understanding of wealth, which in Scripture is never a private matter. Wealth is always an occasion for blessing the whole community. The prosperity gospel also has a thin and unbiblical view of time. Time. In the biblical mindset, prosperity that does not last is not prosperity at all. The only biblical prosperity gospel is a posterity gospel. Don't you love it when authors try and make a turn of phrase like that? The promise that generation after generation will know the goodness of God through the properly properly stewarded abundance of God's world. That's what Andy Crouch says prosperity really is. It's the promise that generation after generation will know the goodness of God through the properly, properly stewarded abundance of God's world. So be honest with yourself for a moment. When you think about reaching out, are you, when you think about working for the good of our city, are you thinking about how God wants to bless Calgary for generations to come? I doubt it. I almost guarantee that our vision for reaching out is not too big, but actually that it's too small. That we are looking at too few people. That we're looking too close in the present. Or only looking at at, just as far as we could see through a fog. Not as far as God is working. Not in the generations to come. Where God will continue to lead and guide and provide for his people. For his world. Where we trust he will continue to use River Park to be a blessing in generations to come. God wants to do big things. Big things in our city why else would he bring people here from all over the world another data point that i didn't mention earlier is that people from over 240 ethnic origins are represented in calgary 240 different ethnic groups around the world have come and made our home in calgary people from literally all over the world are gathered in this city and calling living in calgary and calling it home There's only one time in scripture where I can think of that kind of thing happening. It's in Acts chapter 2. And it led to the largest booming spread of the gospel ever to happen. In Acts chapter 2, people from all over the world, and Acts says that. Literally, people from all over the world were gathered together in Jerusalem. And God used that gathering to spread the knowledge of himself and the love of God across the face of the globe. How did he do it? Well, this is what Peter says. Peter says in his sermon in Acts 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter demonstrates on Pentecost God's love for and his call to all nations. He shared God's promises with his people and calls them to turn to God, to commit to Jesus Christ. Peter didn't just preach that sermon and then walk away. Peter and the other apostles, the other disciples went on to model for others what exactly it looked like to turn to God. What exactly it looked like to commit their lives to Jesus. That's the the task of modeling a life following Jesus is a task that we not only asked our our elders and deacons to do this morning. To be faithful witnesses for us and, and show us what a life of faith looks like. It's not just a task for them. It's a task for each of us. And for all of us. In the places where God has put us. In the places where he has called us. And the things that we love to do. What does it look like to be a faithful Christian on the court or in the field? What does it look like to share the love of Jesus when I'm on a hike or at the gym? What does it look like to befriend people who are far from God? And then I think the inevitable question. Why don't we do it? If we know what it looks like, or if we begin to know what it looks like, what keeps us from following the example of Peter and the other apostles? Pastor Harrison and I talked about this this past week, as we've been talking together through every sermon in this series. And we wondered, why do we hesitate to reach out? Why is it difficult for us as, for us as individuals, for, for us as a church? We came up with the same answer. In a word, fear. Between us, we thought of many different kinds of fear. Fear of the other people. Just fear of the other person when we don't understand them. Fear of being uncomfortable or ending up in an uncomfortable situation. Fear of offending other people who have a different value or a different lifestyle or a different faith than we hold. Our fear holds us back. And then when we don't do what God calls us to do when we don't reach out, then Satan deploys his other nasty enemy. When fear works, then he employs guilt as well. So we don't reach out because we're afraid. And then instead we choose to carry around a heavy burden of guilt. Brothers and sisters in Christ, fear and guilt are not markers of God's people. They're the results of doing things in our own strength. Even good things. Even godly things. When we do them on our own, when we do them in our own strength, instead of relying on the Holy Spirit, all too often we end up afraid or feeling guilty. Or both. But the simple fact of this vision statement, reaching out, drawing in, and creating a kind of mosaic community, is that God has not called us to do this on our own. He has not called us to do it in our own strength or by our own wisdom or showmanship or abilities. As I said, God, is go- God has already gone before us into our neighborhoods, into our nursing homes, into the places where we love to spend time and into the places where we spend a lot of time, whether we love him or not. God has already gone before us. We are simply going into our world and looking to meet God. To meet God in the places we go. To meet God in and through the people we interact with. To hear from God as we encounter others throughout the week. And as we return to him each day in prayer and devotions. As individuals or with a family. We don't have to be afraid because God goes with us. But we also don't have to be afraid because our goal when we reach out is not to change people. Do you know how stubborn you can be? I'm just saying that generally. None of you, none of you in particular, I don't think, are stubborn, right? I can be very stubborn. People, people are very, it's very hard to change people's minds these days, especially that's not, our, that's not our goal as Christians. We don't have to change people. In fact, we celebrate that we can't change people. That's God's work. What we celebrate as Christians is not how good we are and how able we are to change the world around us. It's how good God is. and how he has changed even stubborn people like me and like you. Our job in reaching out is not to change people. It's simply to invite them to see God at work in us, in the places where we go, where we love to be, and even in them, already at work in others' lives and in their hearts. There's a great writer and preacher named Jenny Allen. And she says it this way. She says, the great commission is this. Because you have been with Jesus, go be with people so that they can be with Jesus. That's such a beautiful picture of what it means to reach out to other people. We're not trying to change them. We're not trying to get a whole bunch of things to be different in their lives. We very simply celebrate that we we come together and worship. We come together to be together and to be one one in Christ. And then we go out and Jesus goes with us. and The Holy Spirit goes with us and through us, other people get to meet Jesus as well. So how can you personally join God in what He is doing? What does it look like for you to go and be with other people so that they can be with Jesus, with Christ in you? Well, again, you can see the cheat sheet on the screen behind me. It's establishing personal rhythms of joy and pursuing partnerships with diverse people. Establishing personal rhythms of joy, I think is about recognizing that most of us already do the same things in the same places with the same people a lot of the time. If you're a student, you go to school And you sit in the same classroom with the same people for the same classes every day. If you go to work, you're in the same cubicle or the same building. Or you share the same public transportation with people. With the same people every day. In sports and in leisure, a lot of our lives tend to be things that happen by schedule or by rhythm. You go to the gym the same time every day. You go to work in the garden the same time each week or the same day each week tell you about one of my rhythms in my home it's our it's my job in our home Kaylee in my home it's my job to clean the toilets any of you have that job it's one of the very few things that Kaylee asks me to do to help out around our house but without fail cleaning the toilets is a chore that always falls to the bottom of my to-do list Sometimes, somehow I'm always busy doing something else that is so important that it can't wait that the toilets just have to get cleaned tomorrow and then next week and on and on. It's so hard to get around to it. And as long as we think of evangelism that way, right? Like a, like a chore, like cleaning the toilet, something that just we eventually I'm going to have to get around to. But first I would prefer to do all of these other things. As long as we think of evangelism that way, we're never going to get around to it. I do get around to cleaning the toilets, just in case any of you are ever at our house. But here's the thing, right? That anything that falls outside of our normal routine, anything that falls outside of our normal habits is unsustainable. So if we think that, well, God has called me to go to school, God has called me to go to work, God has called me to uh, these hobbies or, or, or other things that I enjoy doing, he's called me to my family, and then now I have to fit in evangelism on the, on the end of a to-do list, we're never going to get it done. But we don't have to either because God is not calling us to do to reach out on top of all the other things that we're doing. God has already called us to the to the neighborhoods where we live. He's already called us to the families that we have, the job or the school or the hobbies that we enjoy. And he's called other people there as well. God has not called us to ignore the people who are already in our sphere of influence. Those are the people he's calling us to reach out to. Not to go find some strangers. But to recognize we already live in the world. We can begin with the people that God has already placed around us. So think about what you like to do. Some of us really love work, and we love our coworkers. Some of us really love sports or leisure. We've got a hobby that we just always love getting to. And maybe that hobby takes us to to support groups or it takes us to trade shows or it takes us to all kinds of other things, even if it's a kind of an individual pursuit. Maybe you love grocery shopping or writing or gardening or cheering on your kid or grandkid. Whatever Whatever that thing is that you love most to do, I guarantee you, that there are people who share that love, same as you do. And God has put them very near to you. So here's what you do. It's very simple. You just schedule it. Whatever you love to do, show up at the same time. Show up at the same place. Show up on a regular basis. Do what you love to do. Do what God has called you to do and recognize that he goes with you. See who else loves what you love and then reach out to them. Talk with them about the thing that you love that you both love to do. Share the expertise that you have or learn from the expertise that they have. Share in the joy of doing a good thing with someone else. Build a friendship as we build friendships with diverse people, people who are different from us but love similar things, we'll have no shortage of opportunities to partner together. As I said, even the solitary activity like reading, where you say, well, I don't want, to, I don't want somebody reading over my shoulder. I want to read this book by myself. Well, there's book clubs. There's always something you can do with others. Friends, friends become partners When we share a common mission together. I'll say that again. Friends become partners when we share a common mission together. So extending your friendship to a diverse group of people. And sharing your interests with diverse people. Means that you'll find a common mission with diverse people. We can partner together with almost anyone. If we're willing to share a common mission. And to extend our friendship to them. And then, as we begin to partner in some mission that we already love with other people, then we'll begin to have opportunities to invite our diverse neighbors, our coworkers, our gym friends, our hiking, our biking, our sewing group, whoever. We'll have opportunity to invite them to experience a taste of the kingdom of God and the family of God, to taste and see that God is good to me and to you. we'll we'll have lots of opportunities to invite them in a a sustainable way and in a regular way to, to view and even to join us in experiencing the goodness of God in our own lives. If God has already moved into the neighborhood ahead of us, and if we're joining God in wherever we go, whatever we do, then when we go with others and when we reach out to do what we love with others, then we will inevitably see God at work in us and in others. Again, our responsibility is not to change other people. Our responsibility is just to invite them to taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, by tasting and seeing how God is at work in our lives. How he's at work in our sorrows and in our joys. How he's at work, as I said a few months ago, in the the peaches and the pits of our lives in the excitement and in the monotony. I can't say it all, obviously, in a sermon. I could go on and on about this, and I would love to talk with you more individually. But as we close this morning, I want to encourage us as a church to consider that what is true for us as individuals is also true for us, as, or is also true for us in terms of our ministries, that we'll learn, as it, when we learn as individuals to redirect our focus and energy from ourselves by reaching out to neighbors and to those who God sends us to, who are different from us, who have the same loves. We will only learn to, excuse me, we will only learn if we focus on what we have already, let me start the sentence over, I'm sorry. We'll only learn to do that if we focus on what we are, on, on doing what we already love only be able to reach out and to partner with people if we're focusing on doing what we already love to do, if we're doing it in a sustainable way. So the ministries of River Park Church already have focuses, right? There are are groups for youth and young adults. There are ladies who are artsy and love making banners. There's friendship ministry for, for people with developmental disabilities. Our ministries as well don't need another thing to do or to care about. They need to simply find others who share their same passion and look to God to lead us in creative ways to reach out and to partner with those people. We don't need to look all that far to see who God is calling us to reach out to. God has big things for us, but be at peace. We don't need to accomplish them all on day one. God is already moving in our neighborhood, but we are allowed to crawl before we jump. And God will bless us as we follow his leading and join him in what he is already doing. Let's pray together. Father God, I know that I can't say it all, that we can't hear it all. We can't take in the majesty, the breadth and the depth of your plan. It's incredible what you are already doing and have been doing, moving into so many neighborhoods in Calgary, drawing people from all over the world to gather here and giving us as your church in Calgary and as River Park Church, one small part of your church, giving us opportunity to reach out, to share your love with, you, with people from all over the world, to invite them to see you in us, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our sports and leisure activities, in everything you call us to do and that we already do. God, free us from guilt, free us from shame, free us from fear, Those are the tools of the devil. And draw us back toward joy, toward peace that passes understanding, to the fruits of the spirit that we know and celebrate come from you. Father, we pray that we would see this week opportunities that you are giving us and the things that we already do and love to do to simply show others Give them a taste. Give them an opportunity to see that you are good, that you are with us, and that you love us. For the praise and honor and glory of your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.